Well, we're about to start this new series uh, on identity. So I've got a really nice slide up there that none of you can see, unfortunately. But basically what that slide says is identity, who was I, who am I, and who can I be? And that's basically what the next few weeks are about uh, as we sort of go through this series. But today I want to talk about identity and identity crisis. Uh, an identity crisis. I don't know if you know what that means. An identity crisis. I sh- I'm sure that many of us have struggled with that in over time. And this is a really important subject, the subject of identity, uh, because many of us struggle with these kinds of questions. Who was I? Who am I? Who can I be? Or maybe we struggle more with the who am I and who can I be. Most of us know who we were. And we can talk about that quite eloquently. But to understand who we are, to have revelation of that, to understand who we're called to be, what we can be, is something different. And if you're anything like me, you need to be constantly reminded of it. You need to be constantly reminded of the gospel and what Jesus has done. Because you see, in Christ, we have been given a new identity. I mean, literally, that means that we are new creations. Our old life and all that we were has passed away. We are new people. But we don't often live like that, do we? Our past somehow gets dragged around. It affects us in all sorts of different ways. But God knows who we are. He knows who we are and who we're meant to be. And he has a plan for our lives. Isn't that wonderful that God has a plan for our lives and he delights, it seems, in choosing some of the unlikeliest people uh, to do things for him. So Becky Webb pointed out a couple of weeks ago, didn't she, said that Moses stuttered, uh, Paul was a murderer and Timothy had a problem with anxiety. But God chose them and used them anyway. God seems to choose the unlikeliest of people. And sometimes God will just step in supernaturally to people's lives and call out that new identity. Now we can be living a particular way and we have this experience with God where he starts to speak to us about who we're called to be, who we're meant to be, what he's done in us. It's a supernatural encounter. And uh, I believe that for some people in this room that's going to happen that God is going to supernaturally step into your life and speak to you about his plan for you and who you're called to be. It may even happen today, but it's certainly going to happen, I believe, over this series as we talk about identity. You see, for some, God is calling people into an area of service. There's a new area of service for you. There's a different place to go. There's a different thing to do. And there's a gift of faith for you to do something. There's a dream for some of you that it's time to wake up for. I don't know if you've lived with that sense of waiting and waiting. I know God spoke to Alice and I many, many years ago about coming to Solihull. And, you know, sometimes we still can't believe that we're here because it was so long ago and then suddenly it happened and God called us to be here. Well, for some of you, I believe that there is a calling, there's a waking up saying, it's now! That which I spoke to you about all those years ago, it's now, it's happening. And I believe that. That's some of the things that, that's something that God's going to do amongst us. 
And what I want to do today is just talk fairly briefly, actually, it's a kind of introductory talk to the series. I want to talk about a young man who had a real problem with his identity. He had what I'd call a severe identity crisis. And he was called Saul. He had no idea who he was. And he had no idea how God saw him at all. And until God led the prophet Samuel to him, uh, to appoint him as the first king of Israel, he just had no inkling at all of his future as God saw it. Now, I've got to say, I don't think uh, there are any literal kings amongst us. I don't think so as a church, but we're all part of God's royal family. And I believe that there are princely and royal callings for people to answer. And also there are some prophets amongst us. So I believe that God is going to call some people supernaturally like that. But before they come and minister to us a bit later, I'm going to just set the scene uh, by this story. You you probably know it's quite a familiar story, but if you just want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. And I'm just going to take you through this story uh, and pick out some things for you. So 1 Samuel chapter 8. Firstly we see that Israel asked for a king. That's in verse 4 there of chapter 8. All the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, you're old and your sons don't walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, just like the other nations have. See, I don't know why it was, but for some reason Israel decided that they wanted to be like the other nations. Who knows why? I mean, they had the presence of God with them. They had God speaking to them through this prophet Samuel. They had this incredible promises over them as a nation, and yet they wanted to be like the other nations. It wasn't the best thing for them. It wasn't good for them. You know, Samuel knew straight away that Having a king was going to lead them into all sorts of difficulties. He tried to warn them. He said, do you know what this king's going to do? He's going to take your money. He's going to take your sons. He's going to lead them into battle. And they're going to die. Is that what you really want? And he argued with them. And and eventually he turns to prayer. And then in (coughs) verse 7 it says, the Lord speaks to him and says, listen to all the people. Listen to what they're saying to you and give them what they want. Do you know, I find that a staggering idea. That God knew, and Samuel knew through his relationship with God, that this was going to cause them all sorts of problems and difficulties. And yet God allowed it. And it just makes me think, we have to be careful sometimes what we pray for. (laughs) Because we want God to answer our prayers, but actually sometimes it's better that he doesn't. But on this occasion, God said to Samuel, It's okay. Let them have what they're asking for. And God's incredibly gracious. And then we meet uh, Saul, the young man that we're talking about today, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And this is how Saul is described. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zerah, the son of Berkarath, the son of Aphia of Benjamin. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, 
a head taller than all the others. So that's how he was described, this impressive young man. There was something about him. He stood out from the crowd. He literally stood taller than everybody else. It's like he had the X factor. You know, he had the X factor and they all recognize it. And it seems that it was obvious to everyone else. The whole nation recognized it, as we can see from as the story unfolds, but not him. He had absolutely no idea who he was. He had no idea. He and many people, you know, need help in finding who they are. Many people, it seems, struggle to come to terms with what God is calling them to do. Many people, it seems, struggle to come to terms with this new identity that God has them. Many of us struggle uh, with these things. You see, Saul thought that he just needed help in finding missing donkeys. That's what he thought he needed help with. He had no idea that what he needed help in is, was discovering who he was and what God had called him to do. He needed help in finding these donkeys. So when his father's servants suggest that they go and ask Samuel for advice, he says, okay, that's a good idea. He's just in the next village. Let's go and find these donkeys. That's the task I'm on. That's my life. But unbeknown to Saul, God, you see, was setting up an ambush and you know, God has got this amazing way of ambushing people. And he always gets his man or woman. I just want to say that, you know, many people talk about the fear of missing it. The fear of not getting it right. The fear of the will of God not being found in their lives. And I think from this passage, along with many others, you know, you won't miss it. <laughs> God has got this incredible way of getting his own way, of drawing us, of calling us, of visiting us again and again. I just feel like that's important for some people to know, that you won't miss it. You haven't missed it. God's in charge. But how Saul responds to Samuel in this next part of the story reveals a lot about him. Because you see, Saul was suffering from an identity crisis and had a very small view of himself. Just read with me uh, chapter 9, verses 14 to 20. Chapter 9, 14 to 20. So Saul and his servant went up to the town, and as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming towards them on his way up to the high place. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. I've looked upon my people for their cry has reached me. So when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and he said, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am a seer, he said. And sometimes we need somebody, don't we, to help us to see. And God had already spoken to Samuel the day before. And then on the day that he comes, I just think it's great, the fact that he's coming towards him, God says, yeah, this is the man I told you about. And Samuel speaks to him about this hidden identity, that God has this plan for his life, 
And he told Saul about it, but all that Saul could think about, it seems, were these donkeys. That's all he could think about was donkeys. He said, look, so Samuel is saying, this, this renowned man of God speaks to him. He says, I saw you the day before. I've seen you as you're coming. You're the man that God has chosen. It's you. It's obvious. It's obvious to everybody around you. But Samuel, I've come about these donkeys. You know, they're my father's donkeys and they're very precious, they're very expensive. I'm going to be a professional donkey hunter. And I'm not doing very well, Samuel. I need your help to find these donkeys. Will you forget the donkeys? (laughs) It's not about the donkeys. You know, Saul... God has called you. He set his heart on you. He set his heart on your family. I've got a completely new plan for your life. I've got a completely new identity that you have no clue about. You've been ambushed. He was just wandering around the wilderness looking for donkeys. And God ambushes him and calls him out. I don't know, maybe for you, it's been a bit like that. I've been wandering, I've been looking for donkeys. I've been confused. What am I doing with my life? And God said, I've got this identity thing for you to come to terms with. You're not that person. You're this person. Walk with me. Be a king with me. Know that identity. I wonder how you view people. So often we can make assessments and judgments about people and we find it hard to see the work of God in their lives. We find it hard to see the change. We find it hard to believe in the work that God has done in their lives. It's a kind of an honour thing. You know, do we honour people? Do we treat them and see them as God sees them? Do we see that potential in them? Do we see that in ourselves? Can you see it in yourself? Or is it all about the donkeys? You know, despite Samuel's encouraging words, Saul isn't able to hear it. You know, his instant response, which reveals the state of his heart, is this, and it was rooted completely in his identity. Saul had an inferiority complex. So in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21, it says this. This is Saul's answer. Saul answered, and he says, I am, but I, surely it's not me. He says, I am not a ben, but am I not? So he even starts negatively. He doesn't say, I am. He says, but am I not a Benjamite? from the smallest tribe of Israel, and is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? You know, this is who I am, he says. Samuel, you've got it wrong. God, you've got it wrong. Look what I've done in my life. Look at the mess that I've made. How am I going to do anything good for you? You know, I'm not good enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough, I'm not brave enough, I'm not clever enough. And this isn't humility, it's denial. 
It's denial of what God has done. It's denial of the work of the cross in our lives. You know, how many times is it that, how often is it that perhaps we don't do certain things or don't take certain steps or don't take certain risks because we don't feel good enough, gifted enough, spiritual enough? How often do we disqualify ourselves? Or is it just me? (laughs) But the amazing thing is, is that despite Saul's difficulty in coming to terms with the change of identity that God was offering him, it doesn't stop Samuel from anointing him and confirming what God has said. So in chapter 10, Samuel anoints Saul like this. Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? And then he gives him some signs of what God is going to do to prove what Samuel has said is from God. He says, look, God has chosen you, he's anointed of you, stop worrying about the donkeys. And then uh, in verse 9 it says this, something supernatural has happened because it says that as Saul turns to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. God changed Saul's heart. And all the signs that Samuel gave him, they were fulfilled today. And it says in verse 10 that when he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him and the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he joined in with their prophesying. There it is. It's a supernatural intervention. It it led to a revelation for Saul of his true identity. It came through a prophetic word and it was confirmed by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and it changed Saul's heart. He became a different person. The person that God saw him to be. The, the, the person that God enabled him to be because of what Jesus has done. It's a picture of that. I mean, did you know that God still does this today? There are still supernatural encounters where suddenly <laughs> we have these light bulb moments where we realize I'm not the person I used to be. I don't have to be that fearful person I always have been. I'm not that dirty person anymore. I remember spending uh, days and weeks with many years ago with a young girl that had been abused. And she just had this mindset, I'm a, I'm a dirty person, I, I'm a bad person, look what I've been involved in. And then God turned the light on for her. And she realized that this is the person I am now in Christ. I'm a new creation. Those things have gone. I could tell you so many stories of those kind of encounters where God has just intervened and changed the whole direction of somebody's life. But you know, there are many already being written and told here. And many more to come. You know, we're not all called to be world leaders, great influencers or kings, but we've all been given a new identity in Christ and he has a plan for every person who has that identity. He has a plan. And yet so often we say, but God, but God, but God. And I'm believing that today and for and over this series, actually, that there are going to be many supernatural encounters, many of these light bulb moments where suddenly I realize, oh, 
God, look what you've done. That's amazing. Thank you. I don't have to be like that anymore. I can live in this new identity. But you know, despite this dramatic encounter that um, Saul had with God through Samuel, this isn't the end of the story. And, and I'm sure it's the same for many of us too, you know. Sometimes we slip back and we forget and we start to live like we used to live. And so Saul goes into hiding. And this is just so embarrassing because it's his inauguration. He's about to be appointed king and he's hiding and nobody can find him. So in chapter 10, verses 20 to 24, it says this. Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near. The tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, they couldn't find him. So they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes. He's hidden himself amongst the baggage. You can't hide from God. Verse 23, so they ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. And Samuel said to the people, do you see the man that God has chosen? There's no one like him among the people. And the people shouted, long live the king. Do you know, I find this passage so encouraging. So encouraging. You know, how many times have you forgotten in the moment who you are, who you're called to be? You slip back. Now, how many times is it we've got frightened, we've backed off, and we've slipped into all kinds of difficulties, and we've ended up hiding away in the baggage of our old lives? How many times, again and again, But do you know what I love about this? God doesn't give up on Saul. He helps Samuel to find him. Samuel doesn't give up on Saul. He's not disqualified by it. Actually, God reveals him from out of the baggage. So come on, come and stand among the people and be the king that I've called you to be. And do you know, sometimes we need others to run and find us. We need others to dig us out of the baggage that we've hidden ourselves in. Sometimes it it takes a prophetic word. Or sometimes it takes a reminder of a prophetic word that God spoke many years ago. Now God said this, don't you remember? I was there when it happened. Sometimes we just need to return again and again to what God has said and be reminded of it, to be affirmed. God doesn't condemn us. He doesn't disqualify us. He restores us. You see, Samuel doesn't rebuke Saul. I think that's really interesting. Doesn't rebuke him. He says, look, crumbs, you've got this amazing calling on your life to be the king, for goodness sake. Come and stand in this identity. It's a privilege. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't rebuke him. Rather, he instructs him. He teaches him. And he says that he gives him what, what, is, what they call the regulations of kingship the regulations of kingship. That's in verse 23. So Samuel explained to the people the regulations of kingship. And he wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. Then Samuel dismissed the people, each to his own home. And you know, 
That fits really well. It's a, what it is, is a description of his new identity as a king. That's what Samuel gives him. This is how kings behave. This is how it is for people in the royal family of Jesus. We all need this list. We all need this kind of manual of, of how it works. We need a daily reminder of who we are and what we're called to be. No one knows exactly what Saul's list was. There's no record of it in the Bible. But over these next few weeks, as we look at what the Bible says about the change of identity that God has given us, that Jesus has won for us as children of God, we're going to see some of the benefits of the regulations of kingship, some of the benefits of the regulation of royalty in the family of God. It's all written there in the Bible. And I believe that some of us are going to find some fresh revelation on some of those regulations because it's not a book of rules, actually. It's an instruction manual of what God has done to make it possible to live differently in Christ. So who are you? Who are you going to be? Who are you called to be?